0: We are so excited to introduce you to the future of restaurant technology. GoTab is it. With GoTab QR-based online ordering and payment processing solution to the all-in-one restaurant POS software, you have the flexibility to adjust your service model based on your guest preferences and staffing levels. Our system even allows easy menu management based on what you have in stock. Unlike traditional restaurant POS hardware, you don't have to be locked in to one way of doing things that starts and ends with a server taking manual orders and swiping credit cards. You can hand off more of that control to your guests. Free up your staff's time to focus on great customer service and creating customer loyalty. You can even continue to use the more traditional server-focused ordering and payment processes for guests who prefer table interactions. Guys, to have that option is everything right now. Go to NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com, click the Sponsors tab, and you will find a $500 gift under the Go tab tab. Do a 30-minute demo, and I will give you a free hat, or I will give you a free t-shirt for Nashville Restaurant Radio. Just DM us on Instagram. Let us know you set that up. Go check them out right now. We are super excited to introduce Maintain IQ for Restaurants. Maintain IQ is a modern digital checklist system that simplifies your operations. They are designed specifically for restaurants. You can standardize, track, and manage food safety procedures, temp logs, daily checklists, preventive maintenance, and ongoing repairs. He's saying that you can, managers will save up to 10 hours per week. You can repair, you can reduce repairs and maintenance spend by $5,000 a year. Staff will know what to do, how to do it, And when to do it, everything is digitally recorded, minimize liability, ensuring safety, cleaning and compliance standards are upheld. This is the best thing since sliced bread, guys. And we're going to talk about that in just a second with Sharpie A's. But we are talking about a checklist to do every single thing in your restaurant that's all kept nice and neat in a little app you need to call Will Jackson. His number is 888-534-0261 and set up a 30-minute demo. If you do that, I'll give you a free Nashville Restaurant Radio hat or I'll give you a free Nashville Restaurant Radio t-shirt. Just send me a message on Instagram. Check out Maintain IQ. Welcome to the Gospel of Cocktail podcast. Now here's your host, Kayla Ellis.
1: Welcome, everybody. I am so excited to be talking with you guys today, as always. Um, I am Kayla Ellis. I am your host for Gospel of Cocktail. This is the podcast that we are doing with Nashville Restaurant Radio. Brandon still is awesome letting us do this. Um, so it's been wonderful. We are on the last episode of the six part series, and it looks like we might keep going with this. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I think we're all having a good time. I know I am. Um, I've really enjoyed getting to talk with different bartenders, hearing their story, getting to share a platform with them. Um, bartending is the best. It's it's just what brings me the most joy. Um, so today we get to talk with Akende Olagundoye. Um, he is absolutely incredible. And Akende, Akende has been in the industry for quite a while. Here in Nashville, he's kind of a celeb. We all love him. He was the president of the USBG for a little while. Um, He is now at Mother's Ruin, if you want to hit him up and get a drink with him. Um, So we're going to get into it with him. Uh, We get into some deep stuff. I was really happily surprised with... um, with the realness that he was willing to share and his vulnerability and uh, his generosity of his time. It was um, really special. I really am appreciative of it. So thank you, Akende. I'm really excited to get into this with you. Uh, But I also want to tell you guys about this uh, group. There is a group called Just.Glass, and uh, you can find them on justiceindustries.org, um, I am so impressed with what they're doing so they actually have a way to offer curbside pickup for all of your glass and recycling um, what they're doing is really inspiring they're they're taking folks that um, have had trouble getting jobs in the past whether it be um, you know class differences or getting out of uh, different, difficult situations in life um, and they're giving them a job or giving me a chance. So this is a really cool operation, um, Just Glass, and you can sign up for it on justiceindustries.org. That's the kind of stuff I'm down with. I'm so into um, finding new ways to solve problems and giving people hope for a better future. I mean, that's just, that's what life is all about. And honestly, it's what we try to embody with this show. So I'm really happy to uh, get to have their sponsorship—it's uh, a huge blessing and and kind of an honor. It's really cool. So, um, without further ado, I'm really excited to introduce you guys to Akinde. Welcome. Start recording.
2: are you doing,
1: my I'm so good. I've missed you. <laughs> it's been a long time. Here, let's get that mic up real close to you. Yeah, I want to catch everyone. You kind of have to eat the mic. Yeah, you should. I wonder if why do we don't. How about now?
3: I don't. Oh, i hear you up.
1: There you go. I hear you. Am I in? Yeah. All right, There we go. Howdy. Howdy. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I, I miss you a ton. I haven't seen you since we were possibly going to have you over at Oak. And that was fun because I got to like work for you for like work with you for like a a little blurb of time. Yeah,
3: that was actually really nice.
1: Yeah, it was cool Um, because you, um, I've, I've, you've been in the industry for a long time. Um, I've seen you around Nashville for a long time, and we've like done different competitions here and there. Um, Mostly, I think I just see you at uh, USBG stuff, the United States Bartenders Guild stuff.
3: Yeah, uh, so I have been in the industry for a long time. It's been 19 years now. That's awesome. Yeah. uh, How much of that has been bartending? Uh, 14 of it has been bartending. So the first five years I was serving. Okay. Which I think is, I think it's a good way to get into it. I I think so too.
1: I mean, if you don't get, if you can't juggle five tables, six tables at a time while um, keeping a smile, then you probably can't make eight drinks while juggling a whole bar top and the entire restaurant's worth of drinks.
3: <laughs> right. And then uh, the service aspect of it also mm-hmm. is like something that you might miss if you don't serve first.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people like that. Yeah. Um, they're kind of well, how would you describe it?
3: Uh I guess like uh premeditating guest needs and like mm-hmm. the small details like putting down bevnaps and Yeah. You know, just being more courteous. I think it's a more yeah. humbling position, you could say, as opposed to bartending, which yeah. is kind of like you're the leader of the show. Yeah. But.
1: I think that's true. I mean, definitely, I agree. Uh, I've, I've said this before, uh, but humility to me is like the number one character of a good bartender. And we kind of treat it the opposite.
3: Right. It's like more bravado. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: and I think that's been true for for a lot of bartenders for years. They kind of, and I, I don't fault them for it. They, I feel like they survive off of their ego in order to keep thriving right. um, rather than finding a different source of energy and a source of um, kind of encouragement or strength or whatever you want to call it, a source of something to keep pushing. They like pull from their ego rather than pulling from humility or teamwork or whatever right
3: I think that's helpful though sometimes unfortunately like in the eyes of maybe some guests or some mm-hmm. management where they see that as like a skill yeah as opposed to like respecting humility yeah it's kind of like I don't know you need that bravado to show that you're good Yeah. in some ways
1: if you don't have the other stuff, it certainly helps.
3: <laughs> I guess,
1: yeah. <laughs> if, if you don't have, uh, yeah, I, I, for me, um, a lot of the bartenders that are that are all show, um, they're the one, same ones that aren't like willing to get ice for the well or um, mop. They're like the first ones right. out. Um, so I, I can't help it. I feel like I'm a little bit. Um, I, I'm just kind of turned off by that type of bartender
3: same yeah like yeah I don't really enjoy it you know (laughs) Uh, I don't know it's like the person that'll stand in front of you and talk to you but not fill up your glass you know or not notice that you're empty and actually cater to your needs
1: yeah like as a guest you're right like as a guest it's not a good look either like I'm glad that you're telling me about um, how you got into this and everything but um, my water's been empty for 15 minutes
3: right (laughs) (laughs) right cool cool thanks yeah Cool story. uh,
1: (laughs) Um, Well, how did you get into it?
3: uh, So it was my first summer after uh, starting college. Uh And I went back home. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. So I went back home for the summer, and I was just looking for work. And they had just opened up a Red Lobster Mm. in, like, close to the highway. Okay. Starrett City is the neighborhood that I was in. Okay. And uh, at the time, that was, like, a fancy restaurant in my eyes. So I went and I applied and no experience and they, they hired me. So went in, uh, they taught me how to serve, you know, following all the the guidelines of Darden restaurants. Yeah. And I thought it was cool. I was not very comfortable whenever I was talking to people. Mm. Like at first, like every time I got a table, it was like terrifying. Yeah. But, uh, now, you know, it's like riding a bike.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's really good. I, I, I do, I mean, people in the industry say this a lot, but like everybody at some point should work in the industry. Um, I think for a lot of people when you're younger and you didn't quite get what you needed out of school or what have you, um, there's a point when you're serving or when you're working towards service, that you you start learning how to read people, and you kind of start to see what they need from your conversation, right. um, and it really grows you up. It's it's like a very maturing process.
3: Yeah, I mean, like the way I feel about it today is totally different from how I felt about it then. Like I said, I was scared every time because yeah. I had to approach these strangers and like talk to them. Because <laughs> I guess naturally, I'm not extroverted. Yeah. And uh
1: I love the introverted bartender, by the uh, way. That's that's a good characteristic. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs>
3: but now I have like a different level of confidence mm-hmm. when it comes to it because I've done it so for so long. And uh I kind of know I know what the flow of it is now. You yeah. know, I know what yeah. they're here for. I know how to figure out what they want and how to keep people happy.
1: Yeah. Totally. I I know with um with me I I'm just I'm uh, an extroverted person in in general, but um, I have to recharge. So I like teeter between extrovert and introvert very quickly. Like when I'm done, I'm done. It's time to go. I got to hide. In fact, hiding is my favorite term for it. It's like, okay, it's time to hide. Um, But I also really love people. And so I do get a little bit of energy from other people's energy. I just won't notice sometimes when I'm starting to deplete Right. Um, and so it'll kind of sometimes uh, for me, I'll notice like, you know, in a long stretch, uh, with no breaks, uh, no days off, I'll all of a sudden realize, oh, I've got nothing left. Um, do you have any experiences like that? Is that similar? Is this me? Yeah. I feel like it happens
3: <laughs> probably every few months, Yeah, honestly, yeah. where it's like, all right, you have to recenter and just like figure out what's going on. because. Mm-hmm that could be expressed in different ways. Like for me sometimes it can be it can be drinking. Yeah. And it's like, all right, I've been drinking a little bit too much. Yeah. That's just a symptom of what is actually wrong. Like are you working too much? Yeah, or are you exactly. having like personal issues? Is there something else that you need to take care of? Yeah. And so I try to take those times. I actually recently did that when i went to new orleans okay for tales
1: yeah how was that so, uh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's a strange way to like get away from it cuz it's like going into a whole another uh whirlwind of things you know drinking tales and of the cocktail people. is wild and yeah mm-hmm. in new orleans so but it was nice you know it was just a way to get away from from town from the it. familiar yeah and just like focus on what I want to do in the future.
1: Um, Well, for one, where can people find you now? And two, when you talk about the future, um, what does that mean?
3: Uh, People can find me now at Mother's Ruin. Love Mother's Uh, Ruin. I love Mother's Ruin, too. That's a
1: bartender's bar right there.
3: Yeah. uh, It was my favorite bar before I started working there. And I had a time when I was, like, trying to figure out what I wanted to do next, as Mm -hmm. we talked about. You know, I almost came on at Oak But uh, I was just really trying to pick the job that was going to be, like, what I thought was going to be the best fit. Mm -hmm. And I think Mothers is that for me.
1: Yeah. Like, the best fit for you um, in the sense of its vibe, its technique, or just for what you need right now?
3: I think the vibe, uh, the technique is kind of – a, a big change because I've been using jiggers for the past uh, as long as I can remember right yeah. now, and we free pour, and that kind of takes me back to like the beginning <laughs> when I first started, and you know it's a, it's just fun.
1: That so like for our listeners who aren't in the industry a jigger is how we measure everything um it's how you get like a precise uh pour a p- precise cocktail but when you free pour you can actually achieve that too it's it's a skill it's a technique right um it's sometimes looked down upon because a lot of people when they switched or went into craft cocktailing um it was like live like live or die by that jigger right um i do respect free pouring when people are like actually about it
3: right uh i think that's like one of the things that's kind of like perceived the wrong way because you still are measuring when you free pour it's just on a counting system Uh so like i've had people in the past that they see me measuring with a jigger and they're like they think that you're shorting them Uh or they think they're getting more because you do a long pour you know with a free pour but we're still counting Yeah, and it's, it's not really same. any different. It's the same if you know what you're doing. Yeah. Like you should actually know how to free pour, I think. I think it's a uh, skill, yeah. Yeah.
1: I do a free pour test out um, mm-hmm. that is, um, not going to lie, it's designed to fail. <laughs> yeah. Um, where they have to do, um, and we cheer each other on. It's not like I'm waiting for you to fail. It's more of just like it's a hard test. Um, right. But it's the equivalent of making um, two Uh, cocktails back to back and two free pour, two ounce pours uh, back to back. So it's um, in uh, covered glasses. So you can't see what you're the inside of the glass. Um, And you have to do a quarter ounce, a half ounce, uh, three fourths an ounce, uh, an ounce and a half. And then a two ounce pour. That's hard. And then you have to do it twice, but it's the same as making, if you can't make two cocktails back to back because there's two cocktails might have, you know, like a if you're looking at like um, um, a vouvray or like that's three ounce touches. That's that's uh, three one ounce touches and then a quarter touch um, right there. So if you can't get that right, then I'm sorry, but you probably can't free pour cocktails back to back. So um, it's tough. That's
3: fair. I mean, I think it takes like a lot of practice. It and- does you know, testing yourself just like what you're saying to actually make sure that you're being consistent. Yeah. Cause I mean, sometimes I doubt myself and I've been doing it for so long. Yeah. You know? It's just repetition and repetition. like also checking yourself.
1: Yeah. If I do free pour something, um, frequently if I've got the time, I'm, I'm pouring it back into the jigger just to see. And then if I'm yeah. like hitting that line, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good.
3: That's a good feeling.
1: Yeah. It's a great, I'm like, hell Yeah.
3: Yeah, and when I talk about the future, I mean, like, the immediate future, like, tomorrow or, like, How, the hour. What do you feel? Hour. Yeah,
1: what about you? What do you feel?
3: Um, At the moment, just to be locked in on what I'm doing as far as work. Yeah. And my personal life. So, as far as work, just making sure that I'm bringing it every day when I go to work. Yeah. Uh, Coming there with the right attitude and cater to people's needs. Yeah. And then, like, in my personal life, make sure that I'm doing things to better myself, mm-hmm. you know, physically, mentally.
1: You've been doing that That, um, that group that works. You're in a group that, like, works out? Is that, it's like a.
3: I was doing that. Yeah. So that was at Praxis Fitness. So okay. Praxis Fitness is a gym owned by uh, Austin. Okay. He used to be. Austin Reese? Austin Reese, yeah. Yeah,
1: I actually went to high school with him.
3: Yeah, so he's a really good dude. He's a and good guy. Uh, he was doing, he was like putting some efforts forth to try to get bartenders out to come work out at the yeah. gym for free. I love and, that motivation. Uh, it's hard to be consistent with it's the gym, so you know, no hard. matter what. <laughs> like uh, yeah. if it's free, if somebody's it paying matter. you, yeah, it's hard to go to the gym consistently, especially with like late nights and with the
1: life we live. It's lives, so and, hard. Yeah, it's so hard because I mean we're like. If you're not in this industry, this may sound very ob- obscure or weird to you, but th- there's so many nights where we're working until 1, 2 a.m., and then you're still wound up when you get home, um, so you're not falling asleep until 4 or 5 a.m., Right. and then you're sometimes doing a podcast all of a sudden at 11 a.m. <laughs> right,
3: or, the, yeah, there's something. There's, like, some tasting you have to go yeah, to at noon t- exactly. or, you know, some kind of training yeah. And right now, I mean, I'm getting home at like four or five in the morning. Yeah. So
1: mothers is a late night spot.
3: It's a late night spot. Yeah. So it it could, it's challenging, you know. Yeah. So uh I have a gym membership at the Y. Okay. But I don't really go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I try to, uh yeah. but I started doing my push ups. Nice. So I'm nice. like at least I'm getting something done. Like That's when what I get I out of bed, I, like do my push ups and at least I did something to you know, get myself in a better state.
1: It's about being intentional. Yeah. Because, um, like, I I um, I um, can't do push-ups. I'm, like, the wimpiest wimp of push am I'm, I'm a strong person. I'm a big girl. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not small. I'm a – and I am strong in general. Right. But I'm not intentional. So I can't do push-ups. Like, it, it's so hard. It's like I'm dying. I can do squats for days. Yeah. I can do that all day. But there's, like, a lot that – um. You know, I'm running up and down stairs with kegs occasionally. Um, When you're working in the industry, like you're you're standing for hours, so there's a certain level of exhaustion you hit where it's really hard to convince yourself to keep pushing in this other physical aspect to take care of yourself. Right. Um, How do you deal with that? Like, I mean, we've talked about your personal and work balance. Like, it's not easy. What I mean, I fail at it every other day.
3: Yeah, I feel like at times, like I've thought about it as like being an athlete, our mm-hmm. job because it is extremely physical. You know, yeah. you have to move quickly, you have to lift heavy things, and I think if you're intentional about like taking care of yourself, then you'll be like an athlete that's training for for whatever sport Absolutely. it is. So even though when you play the sport. You are getting your exercise. You still need to be mm. like conditioned for that.
1: That's like the game time, right? And you have to condition yourself for game time,
3: right? So sometimes that can be as small as like, all right, I want a, I want that burger, but no cheese, <laughs> 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 no mayo. Uh, I'll I'll take the beef, okay. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, yeah, just cutting things out and then trying to do uh, whatever I can to get that little exercise in.
1: Just make it work for what you need. Yeah.
3: Even if it's like helping the barbecks put away the liquor order. For sure. So like, for you sure. Know, that's just like getting my blood flowing. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so many days where I wake up and I'm really fighting it. Like actually today was one of those days. I, like the dream world was so much nicer. <laughs> I wanted to stay there. Yeah, and I—I I mean, I love what I do. I—I I never want people to misconstrue this. I love what I do. I love the people I work with. I was so stoked to get to come and talk to with you today. I mean, I was looking forward to this, and yet still, it was like, oh man, I just—I really just want to stay here.
3: I totally get that. I think it's like I don't know. the The hardest part is just getting up. Yeah. You know, and then once you figure out a way to get yourself out of bed when you're tired. Yeah uh then you can then it's easier at that point. Like yeah. I don't know if you drink coffee or whatever it is that you need to do, a glass of water, take a walk around the block. Yeah, yeah. Do something just to get yourself going and then then you're then you're up.
1: You need like an activator. That's what I call it. You need
3: it. something, yeah. And yeah. I, I find that difficult sometimes too, especially like with us going to work at four PM or three PM or yeah. like whatever it is in the afternoon. And you don't have to be up it can be difficult, especially since you go to bed so late. So it's like, we're on a different schedule from the rest of the world. Yeah. But in a lot of ways we need to also interact in that part of the world.
1: I think if we don't, then we start to, um, you start to feel a little bit like you're just living in this cave. It becomes very, there's a lot of solitude that comes with that. Um, for me like one of my i call like i call them activators is like i want music to activate me so like um uh no it's not a secret i'm a huge beyonce fan <laughs> a ridiculously big fan of beyonce and so she just has a new album out and so i was like i really don't want to get moving i don't want to do jack shit i don't right. want to and uh i i played renaissance which is her new album and i'm like okay I know I don't want to do it, but if I have this activator, it's like I get to kind of move without thinking about it. I'm not really thinking about what I'm going to be doing next. I'm just like, okay, I'm listening to music, so I don't have to think about the fact that I'm getting ready. Yeah. I don't have to think about the fact that um, that I'm going to see people today and have to put on my show today and have to you know, – we're doing some cool stuff with our new menu coming up, and that's all exciting, but it's still work. Um, right. And so I don't have to think about it. I'm just going to put on my music and activate myself. And um, yeah, like I like the idea of coffee. Like if I've got like a little treat waiting for me, I'm like, yeah, I'll go get
2: that.
3: I kind of want to get one of those coffee machines that just like you can set to brew for you. Yeah, that's my other thing. It's like I don't actually want to go make the coffee. No, exactly. I just want, the I just want it there. To be there. <laughs> and it's not. That's a, so, that's
1: rich living right there. That's, yeah, the, you know? that's the opulence. Yeah.
3: <laughs> all strive for, yeah. for for richness.
1: Well, uh speaking of opulence and richness, let's talk about this cocktail a little bit. So here, clink glasses. Clink, clink. So, um I've got this this little drink. We usually do this at the beginning, but um I didn't have Campari at my house. I was so bummed. I us- I'm a- I never don't have Campari. That's like such a core ingredient. And so I made us this uh strawberry gin with uh, Sipsmith, the Sipsmith st- strawberry. Yeah. It's actually really nice. I don't always love like uh like fruit infused spirits like vodkas and different right. things. But Sipsmith I think is doing a really good job of this.
3: Yeah, I've never had this.
1: Um I should have brought the Sipsmith just so you could try it by itself. Dang. Um but then I and I did a uh, Sue's um we did uh, just a touch of ginger syrup in there just to kind of give it a little kick. Um and then uh Luna Amaro. I haven't. Ha- I forgot that I had it, and I was like, "Well, this will this will be nice." Um, yeah. And then just a little bit of Kina Kina. Um, nice. It's not the best.
3: <laughs> it's it's very good. I think it's. I rough. like it. It's like, but I like rough. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> it's still nuanced and like I think it's balanced.
1: I mean, it's. I think I I'll drink it. It doesn't suck, but I just I think I just really wanted that strawberry cam- Campari. Uh, combo and then we I, I didn't i have to have citrus on my stirred cocktails i have to have citrus oil yeah um and so i didn't have any lemon or anything so i got a tangerine from my roommate
3: <laughs> make it work um i think that's yeah, what we do
1: it's not bad i like it well thank you're
3: you being, i think you're being a harsh critic
1: yeah maybe i it, i just um I, I, yeah i just really wanted that campari <laughs> yeah. so but no it's yummy it's yummy suze is always good it's nice yeah, Suze does a good job bringing the bitter. Um, what are your favorite cocktails to make?
3: My favorite cocktails are generally Spirit Forward. I am uh, on the rocks over, like, up yeah person. Um, I don't know. I think it's just it's because I, I like Spirit Forward things in general. Yeah. I like high proof. So whiskey, I guess, would be my go-to. Uh, lean more to rum now like aged yeah, rums yeah
1: uh all the cool bartenders use rum <laughs> yeah but gin yeah too, spirit yeah.
3: forward for sure uh okay i like making syrups okay of all kinds uh but used in small quantities okay and things that i'm not gonna overpower but more like just compliment
1: just give it that little weight yeah yeah um are you big into making tinctures
3: I'm not. Uh not for any reason. I just never really got, got too into much it. into making tinctures. I never got into shrubs. Yeah, yeah. But I like them. I just the same never was in a position. I think I think some of it is like the way I came up bartending was I learned most of it on my own. Mm. So I so I started in New York as a server, then I went to Huntsville, Alabama continue waiting tables there until i got into the bar yeah it was a huge switch so i went to college at oakwood university it's a small christian school in huntsville and yeah like i said i went i was waiting tables then i got into this one place called the scene lounge at monaco It was like a new concept at the time which was like a restaurant inside a movie theater oh fun so one of the bartenders there uh, we worked together and she would just like show me how to make drinks. Yeah, I had kind of learned a, l- a bit just from watching. Yeah, I could see like them make certain drinks. Like the ones that stand out the most are like different kinds of martinis. At that time, it was like people were still drinking apple teenies and yeah. pomegranate martinis and all Cosmos the all the time, all the teenies, and then mojitos and margaritas. Okay, yeah, so. I watched them. That's a lot
1: of people's like rearing. Yeah, you're not. That's that's. It's crazy. Like that's so many people. We got. That's what we got brought up. Yeah,
3: that's like early 2000s. -hmm, mm -hmm. So, uh, and at the time they were, that was like a craft cocktail bar. Yeah, it's Um, not
1: not craft. Right. I don't know. (laughs) Sour (laughs) apple (laughs) fucker.
3: But. I could see that it was like the same timing every time that mm. they would pour this item or this ingredient, and mm. uh, so I kind of knew how to do a lot of the things before I ever like actually got behind the bar, just because yeah. I was like, yeah, your eyes open, infatuated with watching them. And, yeah, and, uh, one of the bartenders she wasn't really that much into actually making drinks, so she was. I don't even know if I would say that she wasn't into making drinks, but she was more, like, inviting to let me come behind the bar. Gotcha. And to let me make drinks, you know, as opposed to some of the other guys, which would be like, nah, like, get what are you doing? Get out of here. Get out of here. So
1: she gave you space.
3: Yeah, she gave me space to actually learn and, like, actively make things. That's sick. So, yeah, that was really cool. And uh, one day I go to work, and it's a Sunday brunch, and the bartender didn't show up. So mm-hmm. I told the manager, I was like, I can do it. Hell yeah. And uh, she was like, no, you can't. <laughs> and I was like, you don't have a choice. This <laughs> is nobody else um, here. can you do it? <laughs> right. So yeah, they let me work. And that's
2: nice.
3: that was my first bartending shift. Hell yeah. And, uh,
1: I love it. I love the stories where someone else didn't show. Right. Uh, like that's uh, Robert Chambers. Um, he was our first episode. And, uh, he's awesome. He's just an awesome dude, but he had a very similar, like the chef, uh, got a little twisty on something or other, um, wasn't feeling right. had some sort of accident needed to get out of there. And, uh, so Robert's stepped up to the plate and, um, he was like 16 at the time. Uh, and this is in the kitchen. Um, and he was too young to realize he could be like, no, <laughs> right. I don't know how to do this,
2: right. <laughs>
1: but, uh, but yeah, they put them up to it, but I love those kinds of stories because you kind of, um, it's sink or swim,
3: right? The cool thing was, I mean, or I don't even know if it's cool, but the interesting thing was like, even after that, they didn't really want to give me a chance to bartend, really? not seriously until so like, I kind of like pushed for it. And then they finally started giving me a shift here and there and then you know i kept on learning from the other guys there was, there's always going to be people that are going to be helpful and then there's going to be people yeah. that are resistant yeah. to your growth Yeah, and i feel like there was definitely people that were resistant to it but then there were some really cool bartenders that were like helpful and just kind of guided me I think through the process
1: with um yeah i mean the, you're right like there's so many times where there's there's the people that lift you up and then there's the people that because of whatever their own garbage is, whatever their own story is, they feel like they've got to make you fight as hard as they did. Right. Or you've got to, they gatekeep. They're like, no, I, I it took me this long to get here. You can't just walk in here and do it. Right. Um, and I think it's hard for me to explain to barbacks who, or people in general who want to get into bartending, who are like, you're, you're, like there's a difference between gatekeeping and giving you tools. And if I want, if if people can develop a relationship with the person that's guiding them, then maybe they can trust that relationship and know the difference and see. Okay, she's got my back. Right. She's gonna make me a bartender when it's time because she sees that she's not gonna feed me to the wolves. Um, and I've got a lot of barbacks who didn't have the patience or endurance to wait that process out. Right. And it's hard for me to kind of, I really want them to know, like, no, I want you to bartend. I don't want to gatekeep. Um, I I keep all my recipes open and available, and any techniques I've got, they're yours.
3: Right. I feel like I'm that way too as far as, like, sharing, but I do uh, sense sometimes in people that they don't want to go through the process. exactly, And they just want to be – you know, they want to be at the end of the race as opposed to, like, actually running the whole thing. Yeah. And it's, like, for bartending, it's one of those jobs that everybody wants to do and everybody thinks they can do. And in a sense, anybody can do it. But you still do have to learn the steps along the way. And, like, kind of going back to the service aspect, like, don't forget, like, this place needs to be clean before anything even exactly. gets started. Like we can't even talk about drinks yet. Like, yeah, preach. it's dirty. Preach, oh, snaps, snapping, snaps <laughs> yeah. for that. Snaps let's uh, for that. let's wipe it down. Let's put everything away, yeah. and then let's let's start with the uh, simple syrup. Yeah,
1: <laughs> let's start with that. Let's start with mopping. You know, yeah,
3: start. we have to juice. Yeah, like don't forget about that.
1: Yeah, the people who think that bartending is just the show, they don't know the half of it. Right. They 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 just have no clue because. When you're a bartender, you're still a barback.
3: Right, and you're still a server.
1: Yeah, you're still a barback and you're still a server. Yeah,
3: and a dishwasher. <laughs> a good,
1: and a dishwasher. Plumber. Uh-huh. <laughs> Literally, uh, Michael Stevenson, one of our bartenders over at Oak, the other day was had his whole body underneath the sink and uh, unhooked one of the CBC pipes yeah. and just pulled out a clump of stuff that shouldn't have been there, straws, what, whatever, Right. Um, and then hooked it back up. And he goes like, well, there you go. And the most gnarly aroma in the air. Yeah. It's like, this is what we do. This is the job.
3: That is. And I think just the glamour of it is what attracts people. Yeah. But they don't realize necessarily what all goes into it.
1: Exactly. Like,
3: yeah, you are going to get dirty. You are going to be cleaning most of the time. Yeah. Like. I feel like I clean more than I make drinks. Absolutely
1: (laughs) you do. Absolutely uh, you do. That's fine.
3: That's just, that's the job, Mm -hmm. you know. You got to carry these heavy boxes. You got to do all that. Like, I don't know. I'll make stuff at home sometimes too, and it's the same concept. It's like, all right, first we have to clean everything. Yeah. And then we can start. Yeah. But, yeah, that's just the things that people don't really see or, like, realize goes into it.
1: It's, um it's fun to keep that a mystery to the guest. You know, we, we don't want the guest to know what that takes. Um, because then that pulls away from, I think the experience of the drink. Right. Um, and that moment that they're having, you know, if you're a guest and, and me as a guest as well, and I know what's up, I know what it takes to be a bartender, but still when I'm a guest, I'm coming in for reprieve. Right. I, I'm coming in to either sit with a book or sit with friends and, um, it's kind of like that same moment of like the dream world. Like I didn't want to leave my bed. I, I want, I want to have those little moments of hiding, um, where you realize, okay, I am more than just mopping and, and, right. uh, cocktails and production. I'm more than production. And so those little moments where you get to remember that is really nice. And so going to a bar is, that's what it's about. Um,
0: that's true. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. We absolutely love partnering with Sharpier's Bakery. Erin Mosso has been selling bread, fresh baked bread, to locally owned and operated restaurants six days a week for 36 years. Yes, her father started the company 36 years ago, and Aaron took it over uh, five years ago. And it is doing amazing things. I have so many guests that come in the studio that are like, I love Sharpies. They save me so much time, and the bread is so good. So we, uh, we've we got round buns, specialty round buns, dinner rolls, hoagies, baguettes. They do cheesecake. They do flourless chocolate torts. They do specially loaf breads and regular loaf breads and boules, Boulies? boules, B-O-U-L-E-S, Sourdough, Long Tuscan, Wheat, Multigrain. They got everything. You should go check them out at Sharpiers.com. That is Sharpiers, C-H-A-R-P-I-E-R-S.com. Or you should give them a call at 615-356-0872. Supporting local is so damn important. And Aaron Moso and all of our friends over at Sharpiers Bakery do that daily. Give her a call right now. You know, what chefs want, some people still call it creation gardens, but what chefs want has been, was our first advertiser on the show. Uh, Monty Crawford saw what we we're doing. He goes, I want to be part of it, dude. I love it. And I just, I love that. They're so perfect because they work with locally owned and operated restaurants better than anyone. And let me tell you how they do it. No minimums, no fees, no fuel surcharges, no surcharges anytime. time. They deliver seven days a week. They have 24-7 customer support. You can call, text, chat, email, anytime, from anywhere. Or you can reach them at 502-587-9012. They have a diverse line of products. Their chefs have access to thousands of items across many different categories that allow them to receive fresh product daily. What Chefs Want is the perfect addition to any broadline company as they've got all of your fresh produce delivered daily, plus custom meats, anything that you need that your broadliner can't get. Give them a call, 800-600-8510, or visit them at whatchefswant.com. I think one of the most overlooked things that you can do on a P&L, which is your profit and loss statement, is dish machine and chemicals. It's just one of those things you don't focus on until it's too late. Let Jason Ellis from SuperSource come in and do an audit of what you're currently doing and why you're doing it. His number is 771-337-1143. We believe here at Nash Restaurant Radio that every single thing that you do should be done intentionally in a restaurant. And allowing some company to come in and just fix your dish machine without you knowing what's really happening is exactly what we're talking about. The thing Jason does the best is he can help educate you on exactly what's going on with all of your dish machines and chemicals. He can do staff trainings to understand why you're using what you're using, again, to be intentional. They don't make you sign any type of contract. They are week to week and can get you a brand new dish machine with three free months of dish machine rental. You need to check them out. Go to NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com, click the Sponsors tab, and then you will see... Super source, click that tab for a special or give Jason Ellis a call at 770-337-1143.
3: I think it's uh, that's a sign that you're doing it well is if people don't actually notice.
2: Yeah,
1: it feels really good when, uh, when, you're, when you're killing it and you can tell like you're killing it. And uh, like my favorite moments, like the absolute high that you can get when you're bartending is when you are sharing a well with someone else. And the two of you are just, and it doesn't matter. It's like any partner that you've worked with, any teammate, um, there's a point where both of you hit where you are interchanging, uh, like reaching for bottles and no one's running into each other. If you do, you keep moving and like there's no stop. Right. But it's just like this really cool, like you said, we talked about the athleticism. Part of the athleticism of the job is kind of like that dance. Right. Right. Um, it's just such a good feeling. Like, I don't know any high better than that. It
3: is. And that's why I like, I think, like, I always um, go back to sports, I guess maybe because I just was raised on sports and I Mm -hmm. love sports. But it's, like, that dance and just, like, you know, staying out of each other's way. Yeah. And it takes some time, like, with a team in general to, like, get to know each other's tendencies. Mm -hmm. And then once you know that, you know, it's, like, Y'all, y'all are not in each other's way. Yeah, y'all are yeah. together. You know,
1: you're like two sides of the same sword.
3: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like one of my favorite moments was at Skulls. Actually, I was working with John Jennings, and like okay. we're both wrist slammed, and we're used to being slammed. Like that was just our daily. So we're both like just making I don't know eight, ten drinks each, yeah. and then we're just like look at each other across the bar <laughs> and just like wink at each other. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like,
1: <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. I think it's the uh, like there's these silly things that you do just to remember that like you're in the trenches with your buddy. Yeah. Um so like uh one of the silliest things I've ever seen was um micah Abraham and uh uh Justin Elliot. Do you do you know Justin? Um cuz he worked at Pinewood for a while so I didn't know if maybe you might have crossed paths. Yeah, I feel paths like with I him. feel
3: like I have met him. For um,
1: sure. Well, like one of the silliest, cutest, least masculine things I've ever seen a bartender do was the two of them uh, took their 10s and were like shaking and then faced each other and hit the butts of the 10s the against each other yeah. and then went back to shaking. It was something so silly and beautiful Love it. and very like cool. It looked very cool. But at the same time, when you think about the activity of just like, Let's hit our butts together. Let's <laughs> like, yeah. have our tins hit. It
3: actually, reminds me of work now. Like right? at mothers, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, bromance that I goes on behind it. the bar and butt I slapping. love that. And, and I don't know. It's just a, a cool way to like, have camaraderie back there.
1: I freaking love that. I, okay, so just to get a little deep, um, when we talk about the idea of like bromance, um, there's a lot of stuff that dudes are not allowed to do. Like it's looked down upon uh when guys are sensitive or emotional or or care <laughs> if guys care that's kind of like oh girl girls care you you shouldn't care right um but i i love something about bartenders where there there's like the ego still um like you described um it was in your early experience a lot of the dudes wouldn't let you in and bartend but this Lady was able to, and it could be, it could have nothing to do with the fact that it was a lady or a guy, but the fact that these dudes were a little bit more protective and more gatekeeping, um, there's something really cool when guy bartenders are just like open and, um, you know, I, me as a female bartender, as a woman, it's kind of crappy sometimes to like try to explain something to a guy because they're almost immediately in my face with, uh, debate. Yeah, Um, and it's exhausting um, because I've I I know what I'm doing, right? um, More or less, I'm learning every day, Uh, but there's there's this kind of inability for a lot of guys to be vulnerable. That I think that being a male bartender, you have a chance to kind of break down that wall.
3: Yeah, uh, I don't know. I've worked with people that have had different approaches to that. Like I've definitely worked with a young bartender. That was, like, brazen and Mm -hmm. knew everything. And even though I would try to be helpful, it was like he didn't really... He wasn't receptive. Yeah. At first, at least. Okay. And it was, like, conflict, basically, because I'm trying to show him how to do it better. Mm -hmm. And he knows it already. And it's like, well... (laughs) <laughs> you don't you don't <laughs> you don't you i'm really trying don't. to help you like we're in this together
2: yeah
3: but i don't know i think you just gotta learn what kind of gloves you gotta wear to handle different people Ooh,
1: i like that
3: and uh that's that's like one of the difficulties of leadership in general I, is like figuring yeah. how how to get what you want out of each person and how to motivate people
1: you're preaching right now
3: that's <laughs> <And> hard <laughs> that's hard
1: like that's literally the job for me
3: mm-hmm.
1: um because like i now that i'm in more of a leadership position and i have been for a while um i've been running bars for about eight years um and not in a bartender position for a while uh where i was just into in it to take right um and to just like take information from those above me um, I'm always learning. I won't say that I'm not in a position to learn. I'm always learning you know, no matter no matter who it is. Um, I've, I've learned so much from different bartenders I've worked with over the years. But I'm in a position to give to my team right. um, because you know, we talked about this with Brandon too in the episode right before this one of like if I give a 10, uh, anyone who's working with me as the leader, they're going to give like two degrees less. So if I give an eight, they're going to give a six, right? If I give a 10, they're going to give an eight. And then if you're a bar back, you might give four degrees less. So if I give a 10, they're going to give a six. That's just a general rule of thumb. It doesn't mean it's always true, but, um, but as a leader, I've always got to be ready to give more. And in reality, different people need different things. I can't try to talk to one bartender the same way I talk to another because they're not going to get the lesson. It's not going to click. There's, there's no foundation for it. So I like your, I like how you worded that, the different gloves. Like you got to figure out which gloves you need to wear.
3: Yeah. And going back to what you were saying though, is like as a female, uh, I can see that difficulty. Like for me, I think I have like a a unique uh, perspective because I basically grew up with all women. Yeah. Uh, I'm the youngest of three children that my mom had and, then. uh, so it was my two older sisters, my mom. I have another sister and a brother from a, a, another mother. Yeah. And, uh, but mainly I spent most of the time with my two sisters and my mom. Okay. And uh, I'm used to that's what I know the most is yeah. like uh, communicating with women. So,
1: what's that like? Is there, I mean, obviously a lot there's... of shopping.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: I was going
1: to say. <laughs> I was like, we can go stereotypical with it. We
3: can be general. I used to go to the mall a lot. Really? Yeah, I used to go to Macy's very often, playing in the clothing racks. Oh yeah, I remember doing that as a kid, playing in clothing racks. Went to church. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it was just normal to me. It was like, so I never looked at women in like as inferior or like people to be disrespected because yeah. like my most respected figures are women. I love Does that. that makes sense?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of times when, um, when I'm out in this, in the world, when I was growing up, I was that girl that, I mean, I would have annoyed the hell out of you. I was so annoying. I couldn't help it. I just, yeah. because I was often told what I couldn't do. And, um, I was very demure and quiet when I was around others um but when i had an opportunity to kind of be seen or heard um and then all of a sudden would feel it being taken away it was like a fear and so i'd all of a sudden be like feisty as hell right. like uh any and i couldn't do like i was that kid that, that for some reason thought i could be a of the i was going to be the first female uh basketball player to play in the nba uh
3: okay <laughs> 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 that's uh. <laughs> that's tough was, <laughs> <laughs> that's tough
1: I was like five years old when I was having that that yeah. dream because my dad was super into basketball and my mom and dad told me a lot that I could do whatever I wanted I, I that I was capable of doing whatever um, and so I really appreciate that from them that they never made me feel um, like I was incapable yeah. um, but at the same time we lived in a bubble we were in a very um, like... Like we, you talked about going to church. I, I, I don't have anything wrong with going to church, but a lot of times if you are in the wrong cultures, sometimes it can be a little cult-like and you can miss out on the heart of the message. Church is not inherently bad, right? but it can get bad.
3: I fully agree. So I grew up Seventh-day Adventist, uh, go to church on Saturday, yeah. keep the Sabbath holy. Yeah, uh, And... It definitely caused problems like within our household at times, mm. where I questioned it. Where I'm like, "Is it more important that we go to church or that we are a happy family?" Mm. You know. And then definitely like going to a Seventh Day Adventist school that like changed everything uh, as far as my perception of it because. Yeah. It was like, I went to public school my entire life. Then I went to Seventh-day Adventist school because my mom wanted me to go to Seventh-day Adventist college. She was like, she wasn't going to pay for anything else. Else, yeah. So I basically, I'll tell you a little story. So my junior year of high school, I got a scholarship to college. Okay. From my PSATs. So I have full tuition scholarship. And I knew that, I could only go to the seven-day Adventist school. And so it kind of just took away my motivation for school because yeah. I wasn't able to go where I wanted to go. Yeah. And uh, so I stopped going to school pretty much for my senior year. I would show up to school at fourth period. I, had, I was scheduled uh, first period through eighth period. huh. And I would show up at fourth period, go to the cafeteria, and sit there until seventh period. So for three lunch periods <laughs> <laughs> and then go to gym sometimes or leave early and just like hang out. So basically it was like forcing me into this religion mm. kind of pushed me away from other things that I wanted. Okay. And then when I went to the school, it was just like a lot of judgment and yeah. like mandatory worship. Like,
1: it's exhausting. That's That's not it.
3: Yeah, we literally had fines if you didn't go to – a certain amount of mandatory worships yeah. per week and I'm like that was this how, is not god.
1: That was <laughs> that you're right. That the, the, the this is not god. This is not like god. this isn't it.
3: No. And
1: and people can find different things in their in their experience and I think we all have different come to Jesus meetings whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's just like the terminology I have that I work with. Um, but yeah, I think when you are pushed into something and you have no connection to it, that's not it. That's just not it. It's Not only does that not match up with what it does say in the Bible, but it also, like, you can tell in your bones. You're like, "Mm -mm, right? this isn't it. This isn't it.
3: Yeah, and I pretty much stopped going to that school and then kind of stopped going to church. What did your mom say? uh, I mean, she couldn't really say anything. Yeah. I was... By that point, like, I was in Alabama, and I had gotten into the service industry, so I wasn't, like, going home every summer for Mm -hmm. uh, the vacation. I was working and living in Alabama. Surviving. So, yeah. So, I don't know. I guess as far as she knew, I was still, like, trying to go to school, but I wasn't really. Yeah. I was just kind of over it until I finally transferred, and I went to UAH, which is University of Alabama in Huntsville. And I actually really enjoyed that. Okay. So you got
1: some good experience otherwise.
3: Yeah. It was just like, I don't know. I just didn't like the combination of church and education. I just thought it didn't really fit.
1: I I mean, like, I for sure have, this is so funny that our conversation is going to this stuff. I know. I love it, though. (laughs) I love it. Um, Like, we, we talk about all these things that are, like, taboo in the bar world. Like, we're not supposed to talk about religion or politics or... And, I mean, that's so much of us is, like, we've got a lot of, like, layers to peel back in our world. Um, Just being a human, period. Every human has layers to peel back. And if you're not willing to kind of talk about some of this stuff, then um, you're not going to pull back that layer. It's just going to sit there and... um, I don't know if you've ever like taken a bite of an apple and come back to it like a day later and it's like completely brown. Right. Like you've if you don't peel back the skin on the whole thing, like it's it's you're not taking care of it. It's just gonna turn. Um, so I mean I like that we 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 shouldn't be afraid to talk about this stuff. But like I I think that the the mix up of like getting church, not God, not not um spirituality not not uh the heart of like whatever we're supposed to be studying it's just like let me just turn your arm until you praise god
3: yeah let me twist your
1: elbow until you're worshiping like ew
3: yeah everybody has their own flaws you know some of them are more visible than others Mm -hmm. but like people people have their issues and Mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of times in church it's like the stuff you can't see and then there's stuff you can see, mm-hmm. like for example, one of my sisters had a, a child at a very young age, mm-hmm. and she was kind of they call it disfellowshipped,
2: mm.
3: which means yeah like, she's not really welcome in the church in the same way. And it's like you it would think heated. you would think <laughs> that the church would be there to support in those times. Yes. I'm not trying to like tear down church. By no, I get it. But these are there's like churches real things. that don't
1: do that, there's right. churches who do the opposite. But if we're not real about the churches that are doing that shit on a daily basis, then we're saying it's okay.
3: Right. And then, like I said, there's certain things that you can see. Like you can see that she's having a, exactly. a child. Yeah. But she don't see what this other person's Homeboy doing. Homeboy cheating
1: right here. on his wife. Yeah. Over you here. just can't see because yeah. nobody's
3: pregnant. Exactly. But, uh, <laughs>
1: Until somebody gets pregnant. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Like that's so true. Like. We easily demonize the sins, quote unquote sins, that you see. Right. And then but people are just living their lives. Like, um, if if the church says that they wanna take care of, of children, then they should have taken your sister and, and uplifted her. You would think. You would think that they would have like honored her and like those are the kinds of things where I literally just wanna tear everything down. I wanna I wanna tear it all down. And when you go to a bar, you are sometimes running away from these little moments. You you get a little bit of reprieve. It is like a sanctuary for some people who didn't find sanctuary elsewhere. Right. Um, And I get a lot of people who come to the bar that, you know, just want to sit for a little bit and have a drink. And um, sometimes they want to talk, sometimes they don't. But it's fellowship. It's community. Yeah. And I think that's where the church is. I think that's where the church is. You know, church isn't supposed to be in a building. It's supposed to yeah. be in, in you. I feel that. Yeah. So I think the church is in the bar. <laughs> yeah.
3: I think as a bartender, you got to figure out, like, how to, how to deal with the congregation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like See, does this person want to talk? Do they have something on their chest that yeah. they just need to get off? Yeah. Do they need some space? hmm Do they just need some water? Yeah. <laughs> Are they hungry? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Are they hungry? Are they thirsty? I mean, right. how much more scriptural can you get? Like, if he is hungry, then feed him. If right. he is thirsty, then give like, him water to real. drink. Literally, that's the Bible right there, hon. That's the. It's so funny because like people want to demonize bartenders um, too. Like bartenders are uh, like, oh, they're tattooed freaks, and um, they're always doing drugs. We are. I mean, we're a, li- a little bit that too. Like, <laughs> no, that's that's just, facts. Not all that. I mean, but we are tattooed. We are tattooed freaks. We are tattooed freaks. Um, but yeah, I think that you find your community and and you take care of each other and and I don't see anything non-scriptural about that. I think that that's like as hardcore uh, fitting to the Bible as anything else I've ever seen. Yeah, um, it's kind of fun. That
3: hits. Like I didn't even think about it that way, but like and even I don't for know. Your buddies, hmm?
1: keep going, keep going.
3: Oh, I was just gonna say like one. This is getting, I guess, a little deep, but let's take it there. Let's this take was a. At my mom's funeral, uh-huh. right? The preacher or whatever, he just, like, kept on mentioning hospitality the entire time about wow. my mom's hospitality. And Whoa. I was like, it that never had really resonated with me that, I don't know, she was perceived that way. I, I remember growing up, like, we would always have, I don't know, youth And elderly people coming over after church or whatever Mm -hmm. to for dinner or my mom would always look out for people like that. Wow. But I don't think that necessarily resonated with her when it comes to like what I do.
1: Mm. Wow. Which is the same thing. Yeah.
3: You know, it's just in a different in a different building.
1: Wow. That like blows me away. That like like leaves me speechless. That's me too, remember. kind of,
3: <laughs> but yeah, it was like I don't know, it was crazy to me. Just like the amount of times that it was like hospitality, hospitality, and I'm like, that's that's what I do.
1: Yeah, it makes me. I, I mean, like, it does bring a tear to my eye because because um, she shines a light through you, and so I really Thank think you. that yeah, I um, every time I've ever worked with you or encountered you. Um, whether I've been a guest at your bar or, you know, seen you out in the bar world, um, I think you bring a special light. And, um, and I definitely think that that's, uh, something that she embodied and, um, and, you know, it sucks to have disagreements with people that you love and stand on different sides of a fence when it comes to beliefs. And, um, I, I experience it too. I love my mom to death. I love her. Um, but there's lots of things that we don't see eye to eye on, and it sucks. Cause I'm like, damn it, I just want, I just want my mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's it's hard.
3: I think what we do is just like, it's a misunderstood profession, mm-hmm. and like, I don't know, I don't know that it's easy to explain it or even possible unless yeah. people can really, I don't know, experience it. Yeah. Maybe more than, maybe not even just one time, like, coming in, it, but, like, yeah. seeing you in action multiple times. Yeah. Like, I don't know, my dad and my sister. So my dad came to the Continental when I was there, and that was the first time. I saw that, the pictures. Yeah, and that was, like, 19 years in. Wow. <laughs> he came and saw me at work.
1: What did that mean for you?
3: It was special. Yeah. It was really special. It was, like, I don't know. I don't know if you remember the caption, but it was like my dad, he was always like, How's school? Yeah. And it's like, I'm not in school like, <laughs> of you know I'm, I'm not in school. Not in school of <laughs> working. Yeah. But and you know, like I said, if you if especially if you're like not a part of the industry or if you're not familiar with it, then the way it's perceived is like it's not a good job. Yeah. Or it's not like a respected job. hmm So I don't know. I would encourage people to, to look at it differently.
1: Yeah. That's honestly what this whole series has been about is, you know, not just letting the, our guests and the people outside of our industry see our value, but we got to remember our value because we've been told it over and over that this is less than. So right. my whole mission, my whole heart for bartenders is because this is the sphere of influence I got. So, I really hope that every day someone recognizes deep down, I do something cool. I'm doing something special.
2: Um,
1: I'm worthy. Right. And what my work is, is worthy. Um, It, you know, our culture is so into production, like whatever you make, that's what, how you should define yourself. Um, Whether it's dollars in the bank or, you know, numbers of people that come and, and know you. Right. But ultimately, when you start to see you're worthy, even if you're just making one drink for one person um, and you know that that was just a moment that you connect, that moment was worthy. Right. Um, and all of these kinds of accumulations of moments, you start to remember it. You start to be like, oh, right. I know who I am.
3: Yeah. I, know,
1: I know who I am. I know what's up.
3: And you're giving a lot too, like yeah. as a bartender, yeah. as a server. Yeah. You know, like sacrificing your time. Mm -hmm. Your evenings, your weekends, holidays to like make other people have a good time. Yeah. And there's definitely value in that.
1: Yeah. I think the reason that sometimes, for some reason this occurs to me that like why the rest of the world might see it as less than is because maybe they think, uh, well, you can't do another job. You couldn't do something else. And that's number one, a lie. (laughs) Flat out, I could see myself in other jobs and other industries um, I landed in this one though and most of us didn't pick this one but when I got here I started to see the value of it and as many times as if I thought as I've thought about leaving this industry the things that I love about it keep me tied in they keep me pulled in and it's the hospitality it's the you know hospitality, a lot of people reduce it to just like service and like, you know, the Bev napkin under the drink and stuff like that. Sure, that's hospitality, but those are symptoms of the overall core of hospitality. That's not hospitality in and of itself. Um, so these like pieces that we embody, it's like it runs through you. I see it in your eyes when a guest walks up to you, when you, when you got regulars. And um, yeah, that's, that's the heart of it. That's hospitality. Yeah. Man. Oh, my gosh. That just shook my heart.
3: Yeah, me too. I kind of like it in my feelings. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See? I love it. Getting in your feelings. I didn't
3: expect this. <laughs> no.
1: You know, same. But that's the beauty of it. Like, we're whole people. We're whole people, and you got to feed the whole animal. You can't just, you know, keep going and pushing until you run dry. You got to right. take care of the whole creature. Um, For sure. Well, we, we've got a shift tonight. We do. Um So... I, uh b- before we tie this all up, I have two questions for you that I've been asking everybody. Um, number one, how can bartenders do better? What's something bartenders can do better, whether it's a practical tip or, or a lifetime tip, whatever? And then number two, this is kind of a bigger question. It's a little bit tough for some folks, but um, what could the industry be doing better for you?
3: What can bartenders do better? I would say p- pay more attention, mm-hmm. uh, like, to people's needs, to, like, the state of the room, and, like, take care of what's mo- most important at the time. Yeah. Like, a lot of times I'll notice, like, bartenders that are just, like, not really focused on what they're supposed to be doing which yeah. is serving people mm-hmm. and like getting caught up in conversation and things like that or just like on their phone mm-hmm. just not being just not paying attention not in general present, not right attention. not being really present to everything that's going on yeah you know and like just the little details take care of refill the waters to you know check on people make sure look for that person who's trying to pay, uh, pay out yeah and like stay on top of it yeah, I would say that, and also being patient with people, which sometimes like I've had a difficulty with, just because I mean we're people too. Yeah. But I try to like remember that not everybody is a restaurant professional, not everybody knows exactly how to behave or how to order. Yeah. And things like that, or knows what you know I- ingredients are. Sometimes you have to explain things to people with like and be gentle.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: That would, that would be like my main. Be gentle. I mean things, yeah. Be gentle with the people. Yeah. They're trying to have a good time. Your job is to kinda or our job is to like help them along. Mm-hmm. So just like remember that.
1: Yeah. That's part of the whole meeting people where they're at, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: And then for the industry, what could the industry do better for for me?
1: For you. A kende for a kende. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> you've, got okay. real, you've got a real you've got big grin on your face. I can see the I wheels turning. I think that
3: the industry has gotten better at this. But I think sometimes people don't get a fair shot at things that they've earned. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's taken me some time. But like here in Nashville, I don't think that I have too much of a difficulty with it anymore. Mm-hmm. But... Like, definitely when I first moved here, I would drop my resume and, like, try to interview for bartending jobs. And nobody would hire me as a bartender. Hmm. Uh, it would always be like, I don't know, they refer me to the service manager to maybe be a server. Uh, I actually got hired at this one place. And they hired me. They said they didn't hire bartenders straight out. And so that they would hire me as a bar back. Yeah. And then they didn't communicate. I kept on trying to communicate with them. And then when I did communicate with them, they were like, oh, we just hired some servers and barbecks And we have this new position that we're able to offer you at this time. And it is a busser position. Oh, my God. And this is like 15 years in already at that point. Like, you've,
1: been, you've been in this industry for 15 years. And they're like, oh, we can give yeah, you a like busser. Yeah, I had
3: actually had like achievements on my resume. Gosh. I had managed a whole bar and they were that's what they were offering me. And it was like Ew. I didn't really understand it. Yeah. And I mean you did mention uh <laughs> like interviewing minorities and things of that yeah. nature. And that was like the first time that I really felt like I wasn't given a fair shot. Yeah. As a black male. Yeah. Like I've never been that person really to think that way but I just didn't really understand.
1: There's nothing wrong with it cuz I mean, you know it when it's happening. You know it cuz like so um I'm not speaking obviously from personal experience. I'm a white woman. <laughs> but yeah. my little sister is Asian and um just the most amazing, beautiful soul. I love her so much. And um when COVID first struck, um there she went to a restaurant and this guy was such a jerk he was like flipping her off and like she left and she was like she knew it was because she's chinese and um and i feel still upset that i even questioned it but i was like are you sure that was it It, because i was like you know maybe maybe you cut him in line maybe like please don't let it be this right and that was my mentality but she was like she just gave me this look like kayla i know and i was like i heard check checked myself i'm like no you know You know the difference. You know when someone's messing up, when when they're a racist. And we're all racist. Just honestly, everybody needs to know, don't be more scared of being called racist than the thing that's racist. (laughs) Don't be more scared of the title. I'm racist. I'm I'm in a culture that's racist. That's the facts. So I've got to check myself regularly to be less racist because there's no such thing as not being racist um, when you're in a culture that was born from that. So, I gotta check myself, so there's nothing wrong with thinking that way, but I can also see like our culture has like oh, he's playing the black card,
3: right. So I guess that's part of the reason why I never really wanted to think like that mm-hmm. and I never and I never did really. I never thought that like it was hindering me mm-hmm. in terms of work until then, and then I was just like, I can't get a job as a bartender, yeah, like why not? Well, what's happening? <laughs> why not? Yeah, they're hiring. They're hiring. I went to, yeah, one of the first places I went, they were hiring. I knew they were hiring. And, like, I wasn't getting hired. Yeah. Even though, like, there was a girl that was there that uh, she had kind of taken the job but then was, like, didn't want the job. Mm. And so I knew they had, they were looking. But that guy referred me to the service manager and was like, you could be a server, but I don't really see you as a bartender here, even though my resume is, like, Bartender, Clearly a bartender, bartender. So I don't know. I'll say, yeah, the industry as a whole, which I think is doing better, but yeah. Give people a fair shot. We got to be intentional. It's not based on like yeah. race, looks, yeah. anything like that. Like, yeah. you know, do you have what it takes to do the job? And that's the most important thing.
1: Robert and I, uh, in Robert's episode, we talked about um, creating opportunities because a lot of times people of color don't even feel safe or comfortable coming to apply for a job in some of our spots. And so how do we change that? Like how do we make ourselves more approachable so that really talented, awesome human beings that are incredible teammates and coworkers can feel safer to come apply. Um, So like that's part of it too is like, you know, seeing people when they come to you, but also how do you make yourself safer in the first place so that people even want to come to you?
3: I think, um, the best thing to do is to, when they do come, because, I mean, it, it might not be as much, you know, because of the fear of not being qualified or not getting the job. Mm-hmm. But when you do have the opportunity to hire somebody that looks different, then maybe do it. Take and it. And then, so, when yeah. somebody else comes in and sees, then it doesn't look like they're going to be the only one. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know how else to say that. but You're right. Like... Yeah, if you see people that look like you Then you might feel like Maybe you can get a job there Yeah Otherwise you'd probably be like I don't think I can get a job here Yeah uh, there's, there's a lot of things like that In our industry Like just the whole concept of The the black restaurant worker mm-hmm. It's like A lot of times people would be like Do you work in the kitchen? Mm-hmm. Like do you cook there? Like what do you do there? Are you a bar back? People yeah. are like, can I order from you? I'm yeah. Like, yes. yes. <laughs> You've seen me making drinks this drinks, whole time. <laughs> like, yes, you can order yeah. from me. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. I think that just the best way to do that is to include more people that yeah. look different and then everybody feels welcome.
1: Yeah. Consistently checking ourselves, being mm-hmm. intentional. Um, yeah, I think it's it's tough, but we just have to keep doing it. We have to keep calling ourselves out when we're not doing it enough. Um, man, Akinde, I just want to keep talking with you. I Same. don't want to leave. I got to go to work. Though. I got to go to work, too. <laughs> um, let's,
3: let's talk again.
1: Yes, I would love that. I would love that. Let's clean glasses one more time. Cheers to you, bud. Cheers to you. I love you. Thanks
3: for having me. Love you.
1: Okay, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. I hope you got a lot out of that. I certainly did. That was so good. Um, And if you're working tonight, I hope you make a lot of money. Have a fun shift. Have a good time. Cheers.
3: Cheers.